Okay, so let's get started. Uh, today we're talking to Cindy Carpenter from Australia, and she has a, a very interesting story to tell. And we're going to talk to her first about her academic background in Australia. Where did you go to post-secondary school? Um, hi, Peter. It's it's lovely to join you. Thank you for inviting me. I went. I did an undergrad uh, business degree undergraduate in Sydney, Australia, and then I did a, a master's of business administration here in Sydney, and then I finished it at Wharton in the United States. Okay, and through that adventure, I'm sure you made a lot of contacts that you've retained on a regular basis. And I did, thank, yeah. I, I, after business school, I went to work for Boston Consulting Group for 13 years and um, have made lifelong friends there uh, and wonderful business contacts. Okay, so you've been educated in two countries and what about your work experience? Where did you go from Boston Consulting? So uh, after Boston Consulting Group, I started my own strategy consulting firm. I joined forces with the former managing partner of McKinsey, which is odd for a Boston Consulting Group general manager and a McKinsey managing partner to join forces. And But we formed CAST, which we've been running for 13 years, and my business partner has recently retired. Um, but most of my time is spent on social enterprise, uh, social innovation uh, and ref refugee settlement in particular. And I'm very fortunate to be able to run my firm with a, a very good team that frees me up to do a lot more work in social purpose. Okay. So one of those social enterprises you described very briefly, can you talk about that one? Yes, um, I was recently speaking at the Social Enterprise World Forum in Amsterdam uh, in um, in October in this month. I was speaking about the Bread and Butter Project. Would you like me to give you a little bit of an intro? Please. Terrific. Okay, so it's been running now for 10 years. It's a social enterprise artisan bakery. We make handcrafted sourdough bread and pastries. We train refugees and asylum seekers to be professional bakers and there is a chronic shortage of bakers in um, Australia I think there are in many places in the world um, and so we find that our graduates are able to get employment quickly we um, teach them English and how to bake they stay with us for about six to eight months sometimes longer if we if we employ them for the longer term uh, and they end up with a tertiary qualification uh, they end up with pretty um, a decent level of English, even if they came in with a very low level of English because it's the English is practised in the workplace. Uh, and they end up being very skilled bakers in a very hands-on baking craft. We, we deliberately choose products where they absolutely learn from flour all the way through to baked goods, um, how to bake. Oh. And we distribute, we distribute through... Uh, major supermarket chains here in Australia. Our revenue is about US um, dollars, five million. 
and um, we serve about 250 customers. We train ab uh, about 20 to 23, 24 tra um, trainees each year that we the, who become professional bakers in that in that uh, six to twelve month period. You teach English. Ooh. We do. Yeah, we have. Uh, we have tutors on site. Um, they're wonderful, re mostly retired English teachers who um, who come to our workplace and they train um, uh, our refugees in in English. It, it's one of the most important relationships that our trainees have because um, they're al it's often almost like counselling because the the, um, the cohort of tutors that we have is uh, are so wonderfully warm and generous and. Um, so good at helping our our trainees to feel settled and safe and that it's a family and there's respect. Um, and often we start by encouraging them to tell their own story in English. So they're both learning English as well as being able to articulate, you know, what, what their own heritage and their own story, particularly their refugee story, has been. So where are some of these refugees coming from? Anywhere there's strife in the world, unfortunately. So most recently from the U Ukraine and Afghanistan and Syria, but in the past it's been Sierra Leone and um, uh, Thailand, um, uh, Myanmar. Uh, yeah, they would they would be in Iraq and Iran, of course. Um, so that they would be where it where our trainees are mostly coming from. So having said. And, Go ahead. Africa. I'm sorry, Peter. Africa as well, of course. Okay. Do you have a number of locations or is it one head office and then a, a factory or how would you describe yes. it? We have a big factory in um, the inner west of Sydney and then we have um, seven what we call bread bars. They're like mini factories inside supermarkets. Uh, where they'll uh, take in ingredients and they and make bread on site. So if you go into the supermarket, you can smell the bread, you can see the flour being thrown in the air and the dough um, the dough kneaded and um, shaped into loaves uh, and then baked off um, roughly every hour or so. And you can get a very, very, very fresh loaf um, at one of our seven bread bars. So it's... At this point, you're not a social franchisee. We're not a franchise, no. We run those bread bars. Um, the supermarkets uh, pay for the, the equipment and the space, um, and we either pay, um, we're paid for our costs, basically, so that we recover our costs, and we use them as a way to train um, more refugees by just having more locations, but also a way to sell more bread and pastries so that we can fund the training of more refugees. So right now, seven, three years from today, how many would you like to have? Well, we would, we would love to be outside of Sydney because at the moment we're in Sydney and we service large corporate accounts, hotels, um, uh, event venues and supermarkets, but we would really love to be able to expand this bread bar model to other parts of Australia. And there's a chance for us to do that with the, our leading um, supermarket chain in Australia is Woolworths. 
and um, uh, and we have a chance to expand with them where they'll they'll replicate the model of of funding the equipment for us and hosting us with inside a store, um, and and then we only have to have a light level of overhead in a, in a new location. So that's our plan: is to expand into other states, other territories. Why not uh, globally? Yes, that would be a wonderful ambition, Peter. I should say we always say that we're happy to share the IP, the intellectual property recipes, etc. Um, we would like to see this replicated around the world. While we might not have the bandwidth to do it, um, we're more than happy for others to um, for others to, to, to take advantage and you know stand on our shoulders to to launch it elsewhere. Because of your contacts in the U.S., there's got to be one or more people. Yeah, we, I, I was going to say, Peter, that um, we were actually launched by Burke Street Bakery. Um, they're a very um, high, a sort of high quality, but wonderful um, corner store bakery. That's a chain of um, fourteen or so bakeries in. Sydney, they're now launched in um, America. So you can see them in New York City, in Chelsea, uh, Grand Central. Um, and so they're, they're like our sister company. So in a way, we feel like we've got a little foothold starting in the US, not as bread and butter, but certainly as the sister, the, the, the parent company. Um, uh, no, they're two separate entities, but in a way, they still feel like parents. Um, they're, they're doing very well in, in the US. And uh-huh. Talk about your team. What do you need to make this happen? Uh, we have a lovely leadership team and very talented people. We're very fortunate that we get, because we're a well-known social enterprise and very successful and our social impact is so strong because we have a very high retention rate um, for our refugees. We get them all we get them all a job and we have a 100% satisfaction rate and we, and we have really positive intergenerational um, results as well, where the children, the offspring of our of our graduates, are either gainfully employed at school or uni. So, so because we have this reputation, we're able to attract some wonderful talents. Um, and often they come out of a commercial workplace, and they're prepared to even um, reduce their salary because we're, we're obviously a social enterprise that has to try to afford our wraparound costs as well as um, as well as pay salaries so so often we can't reach full market but people are coming to us even um, even despite that so we have a CEO um, we're hiring at the moment a sales and marketing manager we had a head of people and partnerships we have an operations manager um, who also runs distribution um, and packing um, and the, the Marrickville site we have someone who runs the bread bars um, and then we have a head baker um, and, and we have a lot of su- supervising bakers and we, we outsource our delivery, but we have a packing, slicing and packing team. So we're a 24-7 operation. Um, we've got, uh, you know, if we're not baking, we, we are packing. If we're not packing, we're mixing. If we're not mixing, we're shaping. So our factory is open 24-7 with um, trucks going in and out, uh, periodically and how many employees we've got 60 employees 90 percent of them are migrants or refugees uh 60 i think are, are refugees or asylum seekers 
uh, quite a few of our of our leaders have a um, migrant background as well. And one day we will have a refugee who's the CEO. That's our aim. And with the current wars going on, you see Pakistanis becoming refugees to Australia. What was that, Peter? Do I see Pakistanis becoming refugees to Australia? We have had some in the past. I think it's um, I mean, it's very sad to see what's happening in the Middle East. So you know, we we may well end up with um, Palestinians, um, or or Israelis as refugees. We're certainly seeing Ukrainians. We're certainly seeing um, Afghans and Syrians. Um, wherever there's strife, unfortunately, the flows come in, and we we welcome everybody. We're we're multicultural. Uh, I suppose we hope. We're a beacon of hope um, for welcoming people from across the world. Well, Toronto is very multicultural too. Yeah, and, yeah, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, we learn from each other, I guess, is the easiest way to say it. Very much, yeah. So having said that, with the model that you've created, is there any reason why that model couldn't be set up in different countries it could easily be set up in different countries i do think you need people who come from a baking background to run it because baking's not necessarily that easy to do especially artisan baking um i i i uh for my sins i had to run bread and butter for about eight weeks while we were waiting for a general manager to start it's the hardest thing I've ever done, and you know, and, and I've had some pretty big roles. Uh, but running a twenty-four-seven so, social enterprise with baked goods, which can go wrong very easily. Like if if you don't get the flour mix right according to the weather and the moisture level and the flour that's come in in that bag, you've suddenly got holes in your sourdough. Which means then you've got all the cafes that use the sourdough to make sandwiches. They're ringing you up to say we're sending back your bread. It's got holes in it. Now filling's falling out. Um, and so I had no idea how to bake. And so you absolutely need someone who comes from that background. And then they have to have um, a heart for welcoming people who don't necessarily speak English, who don't have qualifications, who might never have had paid work before. So it's quite a unique set of people. And we are so fortunate to have people from a commercial baking background who care deeply about the refugee cause. Some of them actually have a refugee background, you know, back to their grandparents um, or parents, which means that they're, you know, they're, they're sort of alert to the needs of, um, of, uh, of newcomers with, with often, often recently experienced torture and trauma. So having said that, let's spend a little bit of time talking about caste. Yeah. So, so I worked for 13 years at the Boston Consulting Group. So I suppose I, and after business school as well, I suppose my expertise was profit maximization. What I've learned more recently is the importance of people and planet before profit and power, which is um, why I've, I spend so much time on social enterprise. However, um, I earn my income from strategy consulting and cast um, what I have is a network of former BCG, uh, Boston Consulting Group and McKinsey and Bain consultants and um, 
and I've got a network of wonderful clients who want access to that quality of strategy consulting advice. And what we do is we tend to work behind the scenes coaching um, executives to be successful. And so we, we, we might be doing analysing and developing strategy and writing presentations, but we are really coaching the execs who who um, who present the work to their boards or present the work to their CEOs and very much own it. So we're quite proud of a model of of um, never embedding ourselves, always upskilling, always always behind the scenes, um, but doing whatever is required to make to get to the right quality of outcome. And we often my consultants do work with social enterprises so so they will do that um, as pro, their pro bono involvement. And I think they really appreciate that I do I spend most of my time doing social enterprise work um, and they feel that they're working for an organization that has a deep commitment, to social purpose and that they have access to that sort of work as well. Have you been in the teaching at all? Have, have I worked in the education industry? Is yeah. that what you mean? Yes. I have, yeah. I, I've worked for a few business schools. I'm currently working for um, Sydney Un University Business School, helping them with to develop strategy. And I'm doing that because I'm very, very motivated to create leaders of the future who uh, know to put people and planet first. Um, and I feel like um, that's a legacy I would like to help create um, with, with the up and coming leaders, because I don't think we can afford, we can't afford to have profit and power first anymore because of the impact on the planet and, and because of how connected we are now through, you can see that through the pandemic, you can see it through climate change, you can see it through the impact of unrest um, uh, that, you know, for example, like the Middle East situation like Ukraine. Um, and so I think the one of the most important ways to influence how we go about um, with, with um business that suits the future and has a longer term perspective, I think it's really important to to nurture um, and educate our up and coming business people to to be ready for the businesses of the future. Do many of these students understand the difference between outputs and outcomes? Um, I think it's such a wonderful uh, it's a great question, Peter. It's it's what I I think the greatest value we, we add as consultants is that difference, and often the greatest um, value I add as a chair or advisory member for social enterprises is that difference is to focus on the outcomes, on the social purpose, social impact outcomes while covering your costs. Um, and I think often in the commercial world we lose sight of that too, especially as things have become much more complex. Um, we can lose sight of what outcome are we seeking to to achieve here. You know, it's actually to delight a customer whilst earning a sufficient return and doing that in a way that's sustainable for the planet. Um, and, you know, that's that outcome is different to outputs um, often. Um, so knowing what what has primacy and what you're, you're prioritising around and what you're optimising for is, is so critical. And so I think that's... That's an important um, part of a good 
university um, business school education as well. What about homeless people? Have you uh, participated in activities supporting homeless people? Only in that um, we, we've got a name for helping with business cases um, uh, for Treasury. So we help government departments to win um, uh, um, increases to budget for their um, for, for where they're focused. And so we did. We worked with um, the area that's focused on homelessness um, to help them with more money for social housing. That's the only exposure I've had to, um, other than. Um, coaching social enterprise leaders who work in in the homelessness space but but not not getting directly involved are, are you involved in that yourself peter yes i uh, ran a program at a homeless center uh yeah called the homeless entrepreneur yeah and uh, there's a gentleman in spain who uh, got me into that area but okay. I, uh, Andrew Funk from uh, Minnesota, where yeah. he, he was homeless and uh, has done some amazing work in Europe. And is that helping homeless people to launch businesses? Yes, exactly. Oh, so we, I, I chair a social enterprise that does that for refugees. It, it is extraordinary if you can um, you can give people that sense of achievement. Um, of being able to launch something themselves, and and often that's that sense of self agency is is life changing. I can imagine that happens absolutely for homeless people too. Well, the one that I did, there were fifteen people in the class. Yeah, and uh, I don't know whether you know about homeless shelters. What they do yeah. is they lock the rooms. Yeah. of the uh, participants at 8.30 in the morning. They don't want them going back and sleeping in their rooms. Right. And so that was interesting. But some yeah. of the people that I had in that group uh, were very creative. Yeah, and yeah. And had some interesting ideas. And, yeah, uh, I did. And one started a tattoo parlor. Oh, great. Because he'd already spent $2,000 on, on tattoos on, yeah, on his yeah. own body. So. Yeah, brilliant. I think so. A lot of really interesting stories. And, yeah. And um, we also worked on a, a project with younger people, homeless. Yeah. Yeah. Doing diaries. Oh, brilliant. So, so writing diaries. Writing their life story. Right. Uh, the idea of putting them all together in a little booklet for sale. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, such a great. So. It's such a sense, a sense of recognition um, and that you matter, you know, to tell your story and to have it and uh, to have it appreciated by others. So, Cindy, I haven't heard you talk about a book. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do actually create artist books about life insights, um, but they're really for family consumption. <laughs> no, 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 no. You have such a broad experience, you should be writing a, a book for sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. that that's um, a lovely prompt. 
I, I think I agree with you, but I don't know how to manage chairing all the, these social enterprises and working on refugee settlement and writing a book at the same time <laughs> and running a, a strategy consulting firm. Um, but I do feel, I think you're right. I'll, I'll have to make time for it. Well, in my case, I woke up at three in the morning one, one day and I said, I haven't seen a really good book in Canada yeah. on, on social enterprise. Yeah. So at nine o'clock that morning, I sent a note off to a publisher in Vancouver. Yeah. And I said, I've got an idea of a book to show people how to start yeah. social enterprise. Oh, great. And I figured it'd go into the black hole. Two days, right. two days later, I got a, an email back and say, we love the idea. Please send us the first two chapters. Right. At which point I said, excuse me, oh, shit. <laughs> I don't. What, what do I do now? <laughs> so fortunately, I had a, an associate who had written a book. And she had an MBA from Vancouver on international yeah. business. Yeah. And I called her and I said, congratulations, you're now co-author of a book. Yeah. <laughs> that's very clever. And I writ large, that's a social enterprise, I, I, because, because they're often so small as organizations. It, I mean, the Bread and Butter Project is considered large, but we're still only U.S., dollars five million revenue I, I i don't think we can do i think we have to get together and collaborate um and partner up for everything um and and that's a wonderful example of where you did that uh and i'm sure you got the book out quickly as a result we, we did we had to deal with an editor and a publicist yeah. and things that we well didn't done. Know, we didn't know anything about so. yeah yeah but, but what made it a little different, Cindy, is we had downloadable forms yeah. to help people uh, who wanted to start or grow a social enterprise. Terrific, sort of like a business planning approach. So the yeah. we called it the give back economy. Yeah, wonderful. And uh, as a result, that's how the... Uh, podcast is called give back ah uh, so oh, there you go right two together very good congratulations Thanks. it's a, and it's a love because everybody knows what it means I, I often get people from the corporate world um come to talk to me about i'd, I'd like to give back some way you know it's like the, so often the words that they use and they don't know how to do it or no no or they don't know one of the things we try to tell people is the benefits. Mm. Uh, so we don't sell the product or the service. We sell the benefits of getting involved. Oh, and for sure. And the, being involved in something that feels meaningful, um, you can't measure them. You know, they're, as you know, Peter, they're just so unbelievably rewarding it sometimes it can take its pound of flesh you know because these are complex problems and there's never enough money um but um it's so immensely rewarding to see the difference you make to a person's life 
that it's that that it, you know it's you, I don't think you can put a dollar value on that. And it's not just the monetary benefits; it's the yeah. Im- image of their employees that mm. they're an organization that give back to the community and make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. So, Cindy. I want to thank you for your time this evening. It's My been, pleasure. It's been interesting. And uh, I, I uh, encourage you to keep going and get involved globally. So thank you for <laughs> your time this evening. Thank you, Peter. Much appreciated. Bye.